Thanks to Cabbage for supporting Market Foolery. Get the money you need to run your small business today. Go to cabbage.com to get started. Credit lines subject to review and change. Individual requests for capital are separate installment loans issued by Celtic Bank. Member FDIC. It's Thursday, October 17th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill with me in studio, Bill Mann. Thanks for being here. Cabbage has got to be one of the greatest company names I've ever heard. It's really great. Yeah. It, like, it's like it, just. And the Celtic Bank, I mean, we, I think we have to tip the hat yeah. for what they've done here. You know, for all the fun we've poked at uh, names like Trunk and yeah. Oath. Or the Motley Fool. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're saying people in glass houses? That's right. Um, it's in part because we appreciate and recognize. Companies that you look at their name, you're like, "That's great! That's great! Yes, well done." Uh, we have a possible deal on Brexit. We have a possible third act for a business giant. But we're going to start with Netflix today. Third quarter results are in. Shares of Netflix up about five percent as we walked in the studio. I timestamp it that way because at various points in the morning they've sort of been up and down. I think this is the textbook mixed quarter. Uh, profits were better than revenue. Yep. International subscriber growth, really good. Better than yeah. domestic. Really good. Yeah. It, Netflix is now, and I think this is true with a lot of companies. And I love the fact. I mean, you're exactly right. The stock has moved about ten percent from top to bottom so far this morning. Which, by the way, which mean that means that the market cap has swung thirty billion dollars this morning. Um. Yeah, the quarter was was good. Uh, you know, they uh, Netflix. I, I I think they've done quite well in overseas, where they don't necessarily have the same comp- competitive pressures that are coming down the pike. And when you say that it's a a mixed bag for the long term for Netflix, they really are starting to talk about uh, how much. Competition they are getting ready to face. I mean, you know, Amazon's been there a long time with Prime. Uh, Apple's coming down the pike. Disney's coming down the pike. So they're really admitting that they, you know, that that they are, they're seeing it already. Yeah, and you uh, you saw the note from Reed Hastings and his team, and uh, you know, referring to. Modest headwinds was the phrase that stuck out to me. You know, and yeah. they, and and I think that's being very clear-eyed, which is you know. Which, I think he's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one of those things where I'm like, yeah, that 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 seems right. And yeah. and if you're a Netflix shareholder, you got to appreciate that you have a very clear-eyed CEO who's saying, yeah, in the near term, yeah, there are modest headwinds, in part because of Disney Plus coming on board, Apple. Uh, it's hard for me to say peacock, but yeah. Peacock. <laughs> Speaking of uh, cabbage, yeah, businesses that <laughs> they should have named it cabbage. Yeah. <laughs> NBC counting on uh, uh, some hidden great affinity for the peacock logo of, yeah. of yesteryear. But anyway, but I, again, I think Hastings is right when he says, "Yeah, over the next six to twelve months, there's going to be a lot of noise. There's going to be a lot of people." Paying attention to these new services, maybe uh, our service takes a little bit of a back burner, but long term, 
he feels good about the business, and he's earned that right. They have great properties, and I don't have the stat right here in front of me, but Stranger Things was watched in its first week by what sixty-four million people. Is that something right? like that? Yeah. Yeah. Let's just say that's right. Um, it's a lot. Um, one of the things that bothers me about what about the Netflix story right now is that they are saying that they expect to get. Uh, about 300 basis points, or so about 3% of added um, margin over the next year. I don't see how they get there. I mean, I really don't, with with competition coming down the pike. Now, it is, it, it is the case with entertainment that it's not just the fact that an inter, you know that, that competition shows up. I mean, Stranger Things results will, will, will tell you that, that the titles are everything. But if the titles are everything, and you're seeing rising costs in the production and, you know, and, and procurement of those titles, I have a hard time seeing how they're going to generate much in the way of margin expansion. Do you think? How do you, how do you think they are thinking they get there? Is it, it? It can't be primarily through price increases, can it? Not in this environment. I mean, okay, uh, not domestically. I mean, maybe, perhaps, perhaps I mean, they are seeing. In theory, yes, they could. Yes, that's but, right. But we all could. But but, but given everyone every... send us a dollar. See, we've done it. <laughs> but given everything we've just said, and and Reed Hastings admitting, like, yeah, these new services are coming online, and you know, left unsaid by Hastings, but we can say it, and they're priced lower. They're priced to move. Yeah, I, you know, I, there are, there's a lot of wreckage out there in you know in 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 the markets for people who. Who have doubted Reed Hastings over time. So I, I, I'm not saying I know his best business better than he does. So if so if he says he sees three 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 hundred basis points in margin expansion, he sees something. But I have a hard time from this standpoint seeing what it is, given how the environment has changed. We'll see how that goes, and we'll move on to IBM. Uh, IBM's third quarter. Um, you know, profits beat. It they did is, some things. Yeah, it is yeah. the classic beat by a penny, and absolutely no one cares because for the fifth quarter in a row, sales fell. And I don't want to get into the weeds on IBM's business, but here's what is of interest to me: is that IBM has been around for so long, mm-hmm. and there have been multiple stretches of time where, if you were an IBM shareholder, you were incredibly happy because yeah. that was a business that was doing really well. Yeah. Um, just uh, I ran through some of the numbers. Uh, Ninety-four through two thousand one, the stock was up more than eight hundred percent. And then when it looked like okay, it's now this legacy business, and uh, they're they're not gonna. Uh, be able to grow. They had another four or five year stretch of time, yeah. 2009 through about 2013, where the stock nearly tripled, and it really was sort of like this. Oh my goodness! They like they've done an amazing job of reinventing themselves. Of reinventing themselves, which when you're a company that size, that's really hard to do. Since then, I mean, this stock has faded. To the tune of like forty percent over a six-seven-year period. I think that the people who the 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 word that probably gives nightmares to anyone who has been a long-term IBM shareholder and probably management is cloud. Right, because they missed it, and the thing that's amazing. So I was when as I was doing some research for uh, for today, I just typed in the words "the death of IBM." 
<laughs> right, the death of IBM, and an article from 2015 from Forbes called "The Death of IBM" came up, and it was a really amazing opening. They said, you know, the key areas of data storage, security, uh, and you know, are completely up for grabs. So we, everyone knew, and they were right. You know, it was completely up for grabs, and I think that IBM just simply had legacy businesses that it wanted to protect. And this is this happens all the time with really large companies that kind of see, you know, they they see the tail end of whatever it is that they were doing uh, being, you know, particularly impactful, they got to find a new thing, but a lot of companies find a find it really hard, you know, to get, you know, to move away from what they were doing. Um, I was going to use a more violent term than that, but let's just say to get away from what they were doing. Um, and IBM failed, and I don't, I, I really don't see how they come back at this point. Uh, you just reminded me of uh, the great story about Andy Grove uh, when he was at Intel, and I forget what legacy business it was, but there was some part of Intel's business that, for years and years, was just printing money hand over fist, and it was starting to slow down. And Grove turned to his right hand man, and they were sort of wrestling with this issue of like, well, what do we do? Do we shut this thing down? Do we move into this other area where we know it's going to be good? And and they really, you know, the money they were making at the time was almost too much to ignore. Right. And finally, <laughs> right, exactly. and finally, Grove hit upon this idea. He says to his right hand man, "What if you and I got fired and they brought in two new people? What would they do?" Yeah, and this guy was like. Oh, they would shut this thing down. They they work on this new thing. He's like, great. great. Then let's fire ourselves, walk in the front door again, and let's do that. <laughs> let's be and, the new guys. And yeah. so it sounds like you just answered, you know, the question I teased at the top, which was, I look at the run IBM has had, and the the run that the business had and that the stock had starting in 2009 that was unexpected. Making the Forbes article um, pretty prescient because yeah. that comes about a year on the heels of a really good run for IBM. Yeah. Um, so the fact that the you know you go back seven years and this company is worth somewhere in the neighborhood of 215 billion dollars and now it's like 125 yeah. billion and they were selling mainframes they were selling mid-range systems it was it was it was it was a great time for them and they actually shifted quite well you know this really once again describes to me how powerful good management is because you, we look at another company that probably five or six years ago let's call it 2015 also although it was probably a little bit earlier was a little bit in danger of being in the same spot, and that was Microsoft, right? Microsoft had sort had the same issues that was facing that, and we didn't even know at the time that you know that 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 even Office was going to be you know was going to be under threat, and Satya Nadella he shifted, he shifted the entire business, and now Microsoft is. Or at least has been. I don't know about today. You know, the largest company in the world by market cap once again. Not a small business, but when yeah. you when you own a small business, your time is valuable because you're doing it all. You're managing inventory, covering payroll. You're doing a hundred other things before lunch, and that's just the typical day. Getting the money you need to run your small business should not be the thing that takes up all your time. These are issues that Mr. Nadella doesn't need to worry about, because he's running Microsoft. <laughs> That's, right. That's why Cabbage, the amazingly named Cabbage, created a simple, modern way for businesses to access up to 
$250,000 of credit. You can apply online. It takes just minutes to complete and get a decision. And if your business qualifies, you can access the amount you need right away and withdraw more funds whenever you need extra capital. Cabbage has an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau and has provided over 200,000 small businesses with access to funding. Starting a small business can be challenging. You and I have friends who have done this. You've done I've this. done this. I was going to yeah. say, you've done this. Yeah. You're one of my friends who's done this. Taking the trash out myself at the end of the day. Where <laughs> were you then, Cabbage? Come on. Sorry, man. I needed you. <sighs> See? See? You you listening out there right now, you're you're in a better spot than Bill Mann was once upon a time, because Cabbage wasn't around. You probably uh, still are in a better spot, to be honest. <laughs> um, it, it, all seriousness, uh, though, uh, it is something a lot of companies struggle with when they're starting out. So, get the money that you need to run your small business today. Go to Cabbage.com to get started. That's K-A-B-B-A-G-E.com. Credit lines subject to review and change. Individual requests for capital are separate installment loans issued by Celtic Bank, member FDIC. Uh, the big international news this morning is the potential, or the, I should say, the draft agreement on yeah. Brexit. Um, you look outside the United States uh, far more than I do when it comes to the world of investing. Is anything about this deal striking to you, um, either in good ways or bad? Well. Most of it is entirely the same of what they've been talking about before, but the big issue that they've been uh, that, that that they've had, and I would not call this to be you know I would not call this settled, is what to do with Ireland. So Northern Ireland and Ireland have no uh, no physical border. Uh, you know, in between them, you can you can move back and forth, and literally the only thing that you notice is that the you know the the street signs change just a little bit in terms of their format. Uh, so uh, goods move across the border, and so and this has been a really really big deal for Ireland as well as Northern Ireland, both from an economic standpoint as well as just simply an emotional one, you know, a, a political one. Um, so the new Plan actually moves the uh, the the British customs to in between Northern Ireland and Great Britain itself. So there would be a customs check going from Scotland, say, or England or Wales into Northern Ireland, and then a free flow within you know on the island with between Northern Ireland and Ireland. The primary uh, Northern Irish political party. As you might imagine, doesn't like this very much. Uh, so there is still a vote to happen, and they very well may scuttle the entire thing. In which case, we will be back to square one. But this is this is the uh, solution now. And I don't want to bring it up as a good example of a place where this has worked. But uh, between China and Hong Kong, there's been a customs check. I mean, maybe that's maybe that's the worst thing I could possibly say. Like, hey, it works in Hong Kong. You know, they're lighting things on fire. <laughs> Yeah. But it's possible, you know, it, it is possible that they've come up with a solution that seemed reasonable all along. But there are, you know, on the ground, there are a lot of political and emotional issues that might stop it. Is the uncertainty of Brexit enough of an X factor that when you're looking to markets outside the United States, that just moves that whole region further down the list? You're looking to other parts of the world 
before you look there? Uh, you know, honestly, not, not, not really. I mean, for because it's know, still about the business. It's still about the business, and there are there are good growth companies in in the United Kingdom. There are in Ireland. They are, there are in in Germany. There are you know we visited an unbelievable company called Adyen when we were in the Netherlands. All of these companies would conceivably be impacted by by Brexit. But you know what? Every company that does anything outside of its borders is also, you know, uh, impacted not just by Brexit, but any types of uh, you know international uh, negotiations that you know that 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 take place anywhere in the world. So we just it's not it, it, it it's not like we just you know put you know um our pollyanna ish about it and say well good things will happen because then good things might not happen but i i have yet to find a good reason long term to really put too much into trying to predict what's going to happen from a political standpoint let me tell you what might happen as early as friday and that is the united states Imposing a 25% tariff on a number of goods from the EU, including Scotch whiskey. This is such a mistake. (laughs) This is this is such a mistake. I mean, is it is is it is it is it horrible for me to say that from now on we need to have a president who drinks? (laughs) Because he because he or she will know just how just just how. How bad this is! I meant to check before because I knew I knew I was going to bring this up. I meant to check before coming in the room how um, how a business like Brown and Foreman is trading today. Just you know, I'm wondering if like if you own bourbon stocks, is this is this a boon for you? Because you know the uh, yeah potentially a boost. For, I, I I'll just say that in my own shopping habits, um you know if if the Cost of Scotch whiskey goes up twenty five percent. I'll just tell you, I'm less likely to buy Scotch whiskey. That's right. We have alternatives now. So, not not to say that the tariff uh, hasn't happened before, but we are dealing with when you're when when you're dealing with uh, with international trade. We have had a similar issue it, it, not that long ago, in which the euro spiked against the U.S. dollar, and so uh, you know, and the pound sterling did as well. So. Uh, Prices move, right? So, but you know, twenty five percent just feels like an own goal to me. You know, like let us can't can't we just have this? By the way, it was you know, it's one of those things that maybe you learn about uh, in high school American history class. Um, you know, if you take something in college, maybe you learn about this. But it, it, I was uh, very much into my adult years before I fully comprehended. Uh, during George Washington's presidency, and you know Washington, he's the father of our country. Right. All this, just the, the whiskey rebellion, and sort of understanding the implications of George whiskey. Uh, George whiskey. Yeah, George Washington. <laughs> yeah, exactly. George Washington, who made a lot of money. Yeah. Selling whiskey, <laughs> as president, sent troops to basically quash a whiskey, basically whiskey makers in other states, and it was like, wait a minute, wait. Huh? So he had his own. So Washington, who we hold up as this ideal, like yeah, there was, yeah, there was a little See, bit of a conflict of interest there with George. But I agree with him. He's like, can't I just have this one thing? Yeah. I mean, yeah. if that's the worst thing you could say about George Washington, maybe. It is. But it's like, oh yeah, there was a little bit of a conflict of interest there with yeah. George. Yeah. True fact. Bill, man, thanks for being here. Thanks, Chris. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show's mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on Monday.